0: Um, am I on? Off? <laughs> yeah, I'm way off. <laughs> I'm glad
1: you said
2: it. Yeah, thank you. You can't tell who I am behind this mask.
0: <laughs> thank you all. <laughs> um, well, good morning, guys, and Lord bless you. And I got nothing. How about a battery? <laughs> I think the battery is dead. Anyway, I'll go on while. They come and take care of this. A um, couple of housekeeping things before we go ahead and get started this morning. Carly is going to come up and share about the kids club. We got a kids club happening. There it is.
3: So good morning, everyone. Good Good to see all your noses, eyeballs. (laughs) Maybe not your noses, your eyeballs. No, it's good to see you. miss you guys. It's great to, to be able to come together. Pastor asked me to talk a little bit about the Five Day Club, which is happening next week. And it's a condensed version of VBS because of the COVID. And what it is, it's being hosted. We're hosting it here at Calvary Chapel Arrowhead all next week Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. And with that, we are going to have social distancing. We'll have the squirt bottle at the door to spray them down and, and get every, the children all sanitized and everything. So if you're concerned about safety, we're going to absolutely take every precaution to be able to um, keep those kiddos safe. But the um, the people who are doing the five-day club is through CEF Christian or children um, it's Children evangelist fellowship. Fellowship. Thank you. You're welcome. All I know is CEF, but I know it has it's it's godly based. But anyway, they train up teenagers. Um, they they go through a uh, test. They have to be vetted. They, they are um, screened, and they're trained to come and share the gospel. And what's so cool is that they're teenagers and kiddos just block to teenagers. They do. They have they relate with them. So it's a really great interaction with those kids. So, if you want to send your children, we hope that you you will feel comfortable and safe, and know that we will take every precaution to keep them that way. Um, it just please register online. Go to ccarrowhead.com. Is that my ear ringing, or is that this? Okay, ccarrowhead.com um, and find the five day club slide and click on that and register. It's important that you register for reasons of keeping the kids safe and everything. So please do that today because it starts tomorrow. We need to know today. In that, I wanna share with you a testimony that was pretty cool that this group club shared with me that they had a couple weeks ago and they were down in South Phoenix and they only had two children that came and uh on the first day there were i think seven of their their teenagers on stage and so the kids were feeling a little overwhelmed it was it was a little crazy they were like there's more of you than us and you know kind of like just it was overwhelming so one of the little boys kind of ran for the door took a beeline for the door and a counselor followed him with another counselor and um and asked him what was going on and if he was okay and he was share, he shared that um, it was just, it was scary. He was scared. But he goes, I'm here because I am so lost. He's like 10 years old. He's lost, he's broken, he lives in a very, very violent environment and a very unsure environment. And with all of this that's going on, what must be going through their minds? It's its just overwhelming. And they he was there long enough to sit through the prayer and what was really cool about that is that he he got this sense, like, who are you talking to? Who is this God that you know? I want to know him. And he burst into tears and he just, he it was like he knew that, that the whole world was just crashing down around him. And he could just sense that he needed something. He needed hope. He needed love. He needed assurance that, that he mattered. And, they were able to share the gospel with him, to share the good news. And he came to Christ that moment. And it was a divine appointment that even though there were two, that group did not get discouraged. Who knows? Maybe it's a Spurgeon. Maybe it's a Sproul. Maybe it's a Billy Graham or Pastor Dennis. No. You know, maybe. Billy Graham.
0: Billy Graham. Yes. Maybe it was somebody. But the thing is, is his name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. And that is
3: so vital. Awesome. That is the most important thing. So send your kiddos and come and, and you're welcome to stay if you like, but send your kiddos and please, please, please register online today at ccarrowhead.com. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Carly. Appreciate that, and I appreciate your passion too. Um Now the challenge begins of him being discipled in Christ. That is where the real work begins. Yes, Sam, I see you there. Everybody, ladies and gentlemen, please turn to your right. And there is Sam Hartman. And he wants me to tell you that uh, on next Saturday at 8 a.m., we will be going to his house for a men's breakfast. Uh, Mr. Vince Mitchell will be sharing his testimony. And Sam wants to know how many of y'all are going to come so that his wife can cook up enough food for the half of west phoenix okay so after the service please see sam and talk to him about it okay if you're coming eight o'clock uh, are there maps on the back table yeah nah. <laughs> praise god for google maps all right Next Sunday evening at 7 p.m. we're going to have a high school youth group meeting high school and junior high. Um, Proper protocols will be followed. It's just time to get back together and be a family again, okay? Uh, Community of youth, uh, they're, um, they're starving for fellowship. As technologically savvy as they are, they still miss talking to one another and seeing one another. So if you know any high schoolers or junior hires, they're welcome here. We can have at least 50 of them, and uh, we've got enough room. And therefore, that's that, okay? All right, Thorson, are you here? I'm going to invite you on up, buddy, and why don't you do the reading? Um, And for you guys who have your Bibles in your hand, we're going to be in Exodus 30.
2: Be in Exodus. Hello. Hello. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 30 today. And I'm going to read uh, from verses 23 to 33. So if you guys could stand in honor of God's word. Now let's read. Also, take for yourself. Quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hin of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an anointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a Holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstands and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings with all of its utensils and the labor and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron Aaron Sons, And consecrate them, and they may minister to me as priests. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whatever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on An outsider shall be cut off from his people. This is God's word.
0: Let's bow our hearts for prayer, guys. Father, we come before you in the name of your Son. And we ask you this morning to to bless us with wisdom and understanding as we worship your Son and we study your word. We know, Lord, that your Holy Spirit can and will teach us so we ask for a manifestation of his presence within our hearts and within our minds lead us into all truth and comfort and encouragement and exhortation and enlighten us lord god and may we leave this place father with a greater faith than when we walked in we bow our hearts before you now lord in jesus name and everyone said you may be seated all right I want you to imagine that you are a Navy SEAL. Can you imagine that? And you've been given no training at all, but you've been sent to Afghanistan to do a mission. You don't know what to do or where to do it or when to do it or even how to do it. But there you are expected to do it. How you feeling right about now? Things probably aren't going to go so well for you, are they, without the training? Now imagine you're part of the most elite group in the universe with the responsibility to be, responsibility to meditate or meet Oh, geez. <laughs> with the responsibility to mediate between God and man. To declare God's presence in the person of Jesus Christ. You are to engage in spiritual warfare. You are to declare God's mind and heart on any given topic. And you are to discern God's will. And you are to storm the gates of hell. But you're not trained. You have no idea of what to do, where to do it, when to do it, or how to do it things probably are not going to go very well for you. It's frustrating when you don't know what's required of you to be successful at your job. Would you agree? Yes, yes. Have you ever had one of those jobs where they hired you and told you, there it is, and let you figure it out for yourself? And the person that was supposed to train you just got irritated with you? Yeah, well, Christianity is not like that, but you can understand the frustration. This little mini-series that we've been doing in Exodus chapter 30 has been all about seeing what kind of people are used as priests, and how these people are equipped, particularly equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, how often do you ever think of yourself as a priest? anybody anybody it says we are a kingdom of of priests and kings isn't that right that's right but we don't often think of ourselves in that role I was talking to someone this morning and they said well can can women be priests and the answer is yes absolutely if men can be the bride of Christ women can be priests okay awkward as it sounds and feels right Last week, and I don't know if you caught it or not, all y'all are part of an elite group of a very peculiar people. You've been chosen before the foundation of the world for a royal priesthood to show others the goodness of God to lead them from darkness into light. Can you let that sink in? Now, you may be here this morning and, and thinking that preaching like this might be a little tone deaf because we are in the midst of a pandemic. We have social crises going on from California to New York. And um, for some people, it's a scary time, a very uncertain time. Well, I want to remind you of something if that is your major concern here this morning. Philippians 4.19 is still in the book, right? God will meet all your needs through his riches in Christ Jesus. You also have the promise in Hebrews 13.5, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And you have the promise of Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All of those things are true, and all of those verses are worthy of a sermon. But that's not where we are in our trek through the word of God. Calvary Chapel, Arrowhead, we go through the book chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we find ourselves in chapter 30 of Exodus, and there's a reason and a purpose for that. So I pray that God enlightens you and enlightens me as to what that purpose is, and I think it has to do with being a priest. Now, Let me give you one interesting principle that you may not have thought of if you are here and you are suffering in some way and you just want words of comfort. Well, I shared with you some words of comfort, but Proverbs 11.25 tells us that he who waters also will be watered himself. That's a principle that states the person who gives receives far more in return. And no, I'm not asking for another offering here this morning, okay? What we're talking about here is that your healing, your needs will be met as you minister out to others. As you fulfill your calling, your needs will be met as well. As you water others, you will be watered yourself. Service to others goes a long way into your own personal healing and wholeness. Can you wrap your mind around that, please? Because you are called to be priests, and you have an office to fulfill. And no matter of what state and what level of maturity that you are at, this is your calling, all right? You have been chosen for it. And by the way, you know, you can't just become a priest if you want to. You know, you just don't come and call the the church office and ask, you know, can I have an application for priesthood, please? No, you have to be chosen for it. And you guys have been chosen. When were you chosen? Before the foundation of the world. And you can't get away from the responsibility of being a priest once you've been chosen for it. That's a reality too. So what I'm going to look at first is what exactly are the functions of a priest? What are you supposed to do? Well, when you survey the Old Testament, there are several things that you see. First off, uh, when you think of a priest, what's the first thing you think of? The offering up of sacrifices, right? The animal sacrifices. And while there are no more animal sacrifices, how many of you are glad for that? All right. There are spiritual sacrifices, which are God-honoring works performed under the direction of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Word of God. God God-honoring works performed under the direction of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Word of God. And this includes this, offering the totality of your being to God. Do you remember we talked about consecration? Loving the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And when you get done with that, all you do is drop into bed and pass out. Okay. Secondly, praising God, Hebrews 13.5. We offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Hebrews 13.16 tells us that we offer up good works and also the sharing of one's resources. These are the things of the priesthood. These are the duties of the priest. Bringing people to Christ, Romans 15.16. Sacrificing one's desires for the good of others, Ephesians 5.2. And, of course, prayer, which is probably the most important thing you can do for one another is prayer. That's what's required of his priests, okay? So you kind of got that in mind, all right? I hope you wrote that down because you're going to go pray tonight and you need to ask the Lord what it is you need to do. And he'll probably point out to one of these things. Secondly, we are mediators of God's presence. Now, what do we mean by that? There's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Jesus Christ, right? All right, well, we're not talking about in that sense. We're talking about becoming ambassadors to a heavenly culture. We assist unbelievers in reconciling with God, and we guide them towards resolution with God can't get into the presence of God without what, guys? Atonement, right? Something has to be done about your sin. And it is by grace through faith that one enters into the presence. And that requires repentance and belief that God sent his son into the world. John 3.16. You guys know that one, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life because God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So, if a person will believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and openly declare him before others, dude, you're in. And that's your message. Mr. and Mrs. Priest, that's your message. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, We assist younger believers in their understanding of God. Now remember, this is sort of surveying the Old Testament and looking at what priests did back then. In the Old Testament, there were teaching priests. Remember Eli? He was a teaching priest. Samuel was a teaching priest. He had a school of prophets. Eli took Samuel in and trained him up. Let me give you a paraphrase of Colossians 1.28, and you can turn your Bibles there to follow along with me, guys. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Paul says, We tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect, which means complete and mature in the relationship to Christ and that's why we priests work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within us. See? That's your calling that's your job description. This is a function of the priesthood and this is what we are required to do. Fourthly we look at what was required of Old Testament priests we see that they were to maintain a level of purity, to perform their work effectively. 1 Peter 1.16 says what? Be holy, for I am holy. Right? It's expected and it's required of priests. So we confess our sins. We own our sins. We trust God for his forgiveness and cleansing provided by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This is what we do, guys, because we are priests. This is part of our calling. So far, I probably haven't told you anything you don't already know, right? Fifth, we help believers understand the will of God through the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, the priest, the, the high priest wore on their, their, their chest the breastplate of the Urim and the Thummim, correct? The, the stones of light and perfection. And with that, they determined what God's will was. How they did that, it doesn't tell us, but it was something supernatural to say the least. Well, we have the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. You can turn there and look at it. The priest of the Old Testament would help decide the direction of the country. Don't we wish that we had that now? That <clears throat> would light and either spell out the answer or be just like a yes/ no thing. But we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And verse 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven says, "The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit now um, this is probably something that you haven't trafficked in very much or you may have been trafficking in and you don't even know it because it is a supernatural thing that god does through us very naturally what do i mean well you don't go into a trance and become spastic and talk like darth vader okay that's not going to happen but the Spirit of God indwelling you and anointing you will speak to others through you when you prophesy to them, which means just forthcoming the Word of God to them. But also, He may give you, like, a uh, little information that you need to share, which concerns their future. And all you are is the messenger. Understand that. You don't fulfill it, you don't nag them about it, you just simply share what. God has laid on your heart. I had a young lady that was in my junior high class many years ago, and the Lord told me to tell her. And you ever heard that before? The Lord told me to tell you, and usually it's like, oh, man. <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't know where this was coming from, but I, I just sat her down in the sanctuary and I said, you know, Amelia, um, the Lord is just sharing that there's going to be many people that are going to want to use you and uh, you're going to end up getting abused and you will fall away from the lord if you're not careful now i didn't know exactly what god meant by that but we found out later on she became a um well she later on became a movie star and she went to hollywood and she got involved in some things that were a little shady and um, she fell away for a season and then later she has come back to christ Praise God for that. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was saying. All I knew was that I was to say it. That's a word of knowledge, okay? Word of wisdom, even. That's the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. And this is expected and required of us priests, but without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to do. Six, we maintain the worship center. Priest, we're always going about cleaning and repairing and beautifying the house of God. And you can in find that in, um, well, I don't have the reference here. Interestingly enough, beautifying the house of God is an act of worship. Did you know that? That it actually pleases God. I grew up in a generation that kind of despised the uh, overproduction of buildings, you know steeples in the air, climbing forever and ever. Uh, They're going to build this big church all made all out of glass. And I thought, oh, brother, you know. Um, But I I have to be careful because um, some people put their whole heart, mind, and strength into these buildings. Have you ever been to Europe? If you've ever been there, you've seen some Gothic architecture that was made for the glory of God. Specifically, these people put their whole... Being into these construction of these cathedrals, these worship centers. Um, a, A gentleman by the name of Christopher Alexander, writing for the American Conservative blog, she said, In good architecture, every tiny piece is suffused with God and gives the concept of God a meaning essentially translated from the beauty of what may be seen in such a place and so allows it to disclose God with unique clarity. Successful architecture ultimately leads us to see God and to know God. If we pay attention to the beauty of those places that are suffused with God in each part, then we can conceive of God in a down-to-earth way. This follows from an awareness in our hearts and from our active effort to make things that help make the earth beautiful. Chuck Smith wasn't into ornate, overly constructed buildings, but he did want a very tasteful, simple sanctuary. And God gave him, in his own heart and mind, what it should look like. And as he sat with these people who were wanting him to come and pastor, when he was leaving one church to start Calvary Chapel, he drew out in a napkin exactly what it should look like and they said that's exactly what we have been looking for it's simple it's very tasteful and um it's comfortable and i think that is is done well i think that would be good it glorifies god and it is the priest's job to keep up the sanctuary that's the expectation and duty of a priest seventh and lastly The priest was to continuously pronounce the blessings of God on the people of God. Numbers chapter 6, guys. Numbers chapter 6. You hear this almost every Sunday. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And in verse 27, if you're looking at it, it says, So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. This is the priest's job, guys, to bless you, to bless the people. God promises to bless in response to blessing. Um, Charles Spurgeon said the Lord has blessed his people and he would have them know it. He's blessed them with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Read the book of Ephesians. And it is his wish that they would or should experience the fullness of his blessedness. Are any of the Lord's people without a sense of this blessing? It is not the will of God that you should continue in this low condition. So real quick here, ask it yourself. Let me ask you. Are you without a sense of this blessing this morning as you sit in here? Don't you know the Lord loves you and that he will keep you and he will make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you? does not it good to know that God has put his smile upon your life and that he will keep you? I think it's very appropriate for you to know that. And I also think you, as a priest, need to do that To one another can you just look at somebody right now and just say hey the lord bless you can you do that just look at someone anyone doesn't matter thank you thank you very much all right i know social distancing kind of takes the (laughs) intimacy of it away doesn't it guys this is what's required of you all right this is your function this is what you are to do as a priest okay Offer spiritual sacrifices. Serve as mediators of the presence of God. In other words, preach the gospel. Assist younger believers in their understanding of God. Maintain purity. Move in the gifts of the Spirit for edifying of the church. You guys all have a gift of the Spirit. Some of you know what they are. Some of you are yet to learn what they are. Maintain and beautify the worship center and pronounce the blessings of God on the people of God. So if you're going to fulfill your calling, Well, there it is. That's what you do. This is your calling. You're a priest. This is what God has assigned to you. And you need to be equipped, empowered, and enabled. That means you need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. Look at Exodus 30, verse 22. Exodus 30, verse 22. Verse 22 starts this way. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, and 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil now all those shekels are not money that's not denominations of coin that's a denomination of weight okay it's a measure of weight and when you put it all together it comes about 45 pounds worth of spices he's talking about here in verse 25 it says you shall make from these a holy anointing oil an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer and it shall be a holy anointing oil Now, you guys already know, because you guys have been students of Zechariah chapter 4, that oil is a symbol of what? The Holy Spirit. That is correct. And here we see the recipe for the anointing oil, which would be used throughout Israel's history to anoint prophets, priests, and kings. Obviously, we don't have a vat of this back in the kitchen there. So we're going to have to just anoint you with the Holy Spirit. Okay. What should be noticed here is that the anointing oil was to be compounded according to the art of the perfumer. In other words, the ingredients were to be blended together in the manner of a skilled incense maker. In the same way a skilled incense maker would do. Okay, I mean, if you want a meal cooked for you, don't ask me. All right, because I'm not going to mix the ingredients right. I'm not even going to measure the proportions. That's the way I cook. Okay, I make lobster thermidor, that's the only dish I can make, and I cannot tell you how much of what put in there. I just throw it all together. So you're taking your chances when you come over for dinner at my house. These ingredients were to be mixed together in a specific way and it came out with a very sweet smelling amazing aroma now we turn to second Corinthians chapter 2 we don't have to make up vats of this potion matter of fact we're warned not to but we do have a fragrance with which we are anointed look at second Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 And again, this is just for the strengthening of you to do your tasks. I gave you the list of things that that God is requiring us to do as priests. This is how you're going to do it, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 14 says, Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses, which means to spread over a wide area, The fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Y'all are supposed to be smelling like Jesus. How do you smell today? Hopefully, acceptable. I see you're all sitting very far from each other, so maybe that's telling. Let me paint a word picture here about being led in triumph and diffusing the fragrance of Christ. This is, this is the imagery Paul was drawing from, and the first century readers would readily get this. I think I have a picture behind me. This is what's called a Roman triumph. Um, Rome would give a conquering general what they called a triumph. It's sort of like the parades that we give to our sports teams when they've won a championship through the street, okay? the commander in chief have if a commander in chief had won a complete victory over the enemy on foreign soil if he killed at least 5000 enemy soldiers gained new territory for the emperor then that commander in chief was entitled to a roman triumph the processional would include commander riding in a golden chariot surrounded by his officers and the parade also would include a display of spoils of battle as well as the captive enemy soldiers. Sherry and I were at the forum in, in Rome and we got to walk where these things took place. And I just sat there, for I stood there for a length of time just try to soak in what it must have been like back in the day when these things were happening. Um, it was an incredible feeling. Now, here's another picture of a triumph uh, this is the best one I could find for our teaching this morning. This is supposed to be Cleopatra, all right? And I don't know who's triumphing over who, if it's Rome triumphing over her or vice versa. But anyway, if you notice, there's a torch burning, right? Do you see that? I circled it. Here's where the fragrance comes in. The Roman priests would also be in the parade carrying burning torches of incense to pay tribute to the victorious army. Now, you notice the guy there carrying the statue or whatever? He doesn't look too happy, does he? No, he's, <laughs> he's probably one of the slaves. Then along with these priests that are carrying these torches that are burning incense, there would be the fragrance of crushed flowers strewn, strewn under the horse's hooves. And in addition to that, the temples would all be thrown open, garlands of flowers decorated every shrine and image. And believe me, there are a lot of shrines and images there and incense would smoke on every altar. And the reason for that was so that the commanding general, the victor, was greeted with a cloud of perfume. Um, one, One source said that it produced a powerful aroma that filled the city. How powerful would a smell have to be to fill the city of Peoria? Okay, some cities do have their own powerful smell, don't they, that fills it but we wouldn't call it perfume. Jameson Fawcett Brown Bible Commentary observes that in view of our having been anointed by the Spirit, our lives can be the sweet savor of Christ to everyone we meet, superior to that of the Roman triumph. You carry around in you the fragrance of Christ. And when you sacrifice yourself for another, that breaks open the the alabaster box, if you will. And the fragrance diffuses to everyone around. You are the fragrance of Christ. You are a kingdom of priests. And we minister in the anointing of the Holy Spirit because that's what we do. And when we minister in the anointing of the Spirit, we diffuse the fragrance of Christ all around okay let's go back to Exodus look at verse uh, 31 through 33 because there's a warning given about the improper use of the anointing oil you shall speak to the children of Israel saying this shall be holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations Verse 32, it shall not be poured on a man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it or whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. This anointing oil is, is sacred. It's consecrated, dedicated to one specific purpose. It's not to be used on man's flesh. It's not to be duplicated. It's sacred to God, so it needs to be sacred to us. And given the ingredients are all right there for everyone to see, I'm sure it would be very tempting to use that recipe to create for yourself some body oil or some Axe body spray, you know, something, anything, right? What this tells me is this. The work of the Holy Spirit is never to be mixed with a work of the flesh. That means a spiritual work cannot be, should not be imitated or faked. It should not be done in your own natural strength, talent, and ability. It must be genuine, sincere, and authentic. And it must be of the Spirit. You can duplicate a fragrance, right? You can figure out what the secret formula is and then make your own. You can imitate the gifts of the Spirit too. And you can also um, imitate the operations of the Spirit. You can fake healings. You can speak in tongues that you're making up yourself. You can fake worship. You can fake love. You can fake humility. But eventually, you're going to be exposed and the wheels of your Holy Spirit wagon are going to fall off. You will be, as the Bible says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of it. Francis Chan, in his uh, book called Forgotten God, which is about the Holy Spirit, says if we expect God to perform certain miracles or to give us a particular experience, it will be tempting to manipulate or even fake the experience of the supernatural. The point in all this is simply calling us to pursue Christ and to grow in our obedience to him rather than pursuing the supernatural for its own sake. Your ministry, your service, your contribution. Our experiences must all be real, genuine, authentic, and born of the Spirit. And if not, then it profits you nothing and it can actually do damage. So, <clears throat> as a matter of review, we're called, we're commissioned. As priests to offer spiritual sacrifices, to serve as mediators of the presence of God, in other words, preach the gospel, assist younger believers in their understanding of God, maintaining purity, moving in the gifts of the Spirit for the edifying of the church, maintain and beautify the worship center, and pronounce the blessings of God on the people of God. And to do that, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the real anointing. J.I. Packer said the Christian's life in all its aspects, intellectual and ethical, devotional and relational, upsurging in worship and outgoing in witness, is supernatural. Only the Spirit can initiate and sustain it. So apart from the Holy Spirit, not only will there be no lively believers and no lively congregations, there will be no believers and no congregations at all. What a stern warning. All right. Next week, we're going to conclude this message and this series. We're going to look at the anointing of the stations of ministry. We're going to look at the anointing of the priest himself. But right now, we need to prepare for communion. Okay? I think I've given you a little bit to think about, perhaps. Worship team, come on up, please. And gentlemen, if you will... Please pass out the elements. When you get your cup, I want to encourage you um, to hold on to it for a moment. We'll have a time when we all open them together. Tried it last time, remember, and it was quite quite the the symphony. (laughs) And I just want to also tell you that there is a small wafer in the top. And if you drop yours, just raise your hand and uh, we'll get you another one to drop, okay? Hmm. Father, we bow our hearts before you now to receive from you the elements of the body and the blood of Christ. We see that we have before us a great commission, also a great honor, and a great enabling. We give you thanks for your Holy Spirit, and we know that he will guide and direct us into all truth, and that he will empower us and enable us to minister in such a way as to diffuse the fragrance of Christ. So Lord, as the communion is being passed out, I pray that our good people here would just meditate upon the fact that they are a priest. And that they have been given such an honor, a holy precious honor, and may you speak to their hearts about what it is, Lord God, that you would have them to do and prepare, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Gentlemen. go ahead and open these up and then we will are holding in your hands the emblems of the body and the blood of Christ. Paul said, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me what do we remember well Hebrews tells us that his body was the veil that was rent and we know that in the temple the curtain that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could go was rent it was ripped so it gave access everyone to come into the presence of God who wanted to through the body and the blood of Christ so this is why we remember him for this father thank you for the sacrifice of your son's body thank you father that it was broken for us and now that we have access to you and that gives us access to a a throne where a king sits on it and offers out compassion and mercy and grace to anyone who comes and asks for it. For this we give you praise and for this we give you thanks and we partake in the name of Jesus. Amen. Shall we? verse 25 says in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me the bible tells us that without the shedding of blood there is no remission or forgiveness of sins he says i give my life his blood was shed for us to be forgiven of our sins but we're not there here to remember his pain but to remember the need the need of forgiveness remember one of the priest's responsibilities to be cleansed to have a a, maintain a a a state of purity and for that we need to be washed in the water of the word and we need to own our sin own our misdeeds own our mistakes and confess them and then what we are forgiven and we are cleansed so Lord we do this now in remembrance of you father give you so much thanks that you won't hold me accountable for the things that I have sinned and I am sorry I'm sorry for the people that I have hurt I am sorry for the things that I have done wrong and certainly father I'll take ownership of it But I thank you, Father, eternally. You have forgiven me. And yet you are continuously cleansing me so that I can walk in fellowship with you, Lord. So I do this now in remembrance of your Son. Amen. Then Paul said... For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes that's our hope isn't it the return of jesus christ we'll continue to do this communion until the day he does return but from the looks of things that could be any day now Maranatha? maranatha amen shall we all stand